everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and if you're brand new to this show, the show's all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. So on today's show, we brought on none other than the other half of the Dark Depths podcast, Michael Mapson, And we discussed a lot about competitive magic, mainly legacy modern and some pioneer and what it takes to try to get back into competitive magic. Um, before we begin, uh, let's get a little bit of announcements out of the way. Uh, this show is sponsored by Cardsphere.com, the best place to buy, trade, and sell your magic singles and sealed product, as well as Alter Sleeves. Use coupon code MAGICWITHZUBI on checkout to get some really, really awesome alters for your cards that you, know, you don't have to draw on the cards. They're just sort of like little penny sleeves that go over the art. And so when you're tired of them, just take them off and boom, you got the original art. Awesome. You don't have to get your card drawn over or anything like that if you're not into it. Um, awesome. Uh, so you can also find the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. TuneIn Radio and Spotify. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MagicWithZuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby. And you can find me on TikTok at MTGZuby. And you can email me with any questions you may have at MTGZuby at gmail.com. So without further ado, please help me and welcome Michael Mapson to the show. All right, Zuby here, and I have with me none other than the other half of the Dark Depths podcast, uh, Mapson. Um, thank you for joining. Uh, how are you doing today? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'll be honest, it's uh, been kind of a crappy day on a lot of fronts, but no, I'm okay. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Everything okay? Yeah, I had, um, had to get a tire replaced. Oh damn! Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, I saw that tweet. Oh shit! Yeah, it is what it is, right? Like at the end of the day, things could be worse. Yeah, yeah. That that reminds me of last year when I had a flood in my bathroom and they had to like pretty much tear tear out my whole house, and I was like, we were displaced out of our house for a few months, so. Um, mold and floods are different but i I definitely understand it's not going to be fun to deal with either way yeah our house actually flooded twice over the past year oh damn oh oh was it in the basement it flooded yeah yeah okay okay yeah it's not as bad as having like a main floor flooded like we don't use the basement very much it's not finished but it's um you know, still unfortunate. It's where I keep my magic cards. Um, Oof. Have, like my instruments down there, so like that's where I go to kind of like get decks ready. Uh, it's where my wife tends to work out. So who we would like that space to be usable. Yeah, yeah. It's um, we don't have basements down here in Florida, so I, I don't know what it's like to have one. Um, but. I thought I saw a tweet of yours saying like your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover it or something. So typically homeowner's insurance does not cover flooding. And oh yeah. Flood, yeah. Flooding in our mold. So uh, we're going to have to double check our policy to make sure it doesn't, but nine times out of 10, it doesn't. So I'm just kind of expecting the worst. Oh, uh, getting mold removed is really expensive. So yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> have to, <laughs> hold off on any cool magic purchases for a while oh dude, <laughs> dude oh man i i've been about a year of not being able to like make any like sealed magic purchases like you know i've bought little singles here and there and all that for the past year but it's just now coming to a point where i bought my first like sealed box of magic in almost a year now and holy shit it feels good but dude, I I know the pain you're about to go through. It's not fun. It sucks. <laughs> I actually don't know the last time I bought sealed product. I um I just like don't open packs. It's just not who I am. Um, and I I will say I'm pretty fortunate. I've got a lot of good friends around with very large collections, so I don't necessarily need to own magic cards. Like realistically, I could sell off my entire collection tomorrow. I would still be able to play any deck I wanted at any event I wanted. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember Billy mentioning something like that too. Um about you guys know people with big collections and all that. Um it's it's interesting because I 
because last year I had to sell off like a really big chunk of my collection just to afford the all the repairs and renovations and all that and I, the only thing I ended up keeping were really my EDH decks um, I had to sell out of Modern and Legacy um, oh I had to sell out of those two f- to help fund um, my kids knee surgery that you know my healthcare insurance only covered X amount because I still had to cover God how much was it like five six thousand dollars or some shit like that yeah I'm sorry that's rough yeah. If the listeners are learning anything, it's that insurance is a scam. But it really is. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm fortunate in that I probably won't have to go that route, but it is going to uh it's gonna suck. Oh dude, so even with homeowners insurance last year, they only so we had ex- we had to, had extensive damage in our bathroom, our entire kitchen had to get remodeled, half my office, the master bedroom, the hallway um that leads to our bedroom and in our living room had to get redone too and they were only going to cover like a little bit less than 30,000 and no like we saw so many contractors too and they were like saying there's no way you're going to get all this done for 30,000 I'm all like fuck okay (laughs) dude I had to sell so much stuff like the rest of my magic collection and just it hurt it sucked, but it's shit like that. It's I'm kind of glad I had it, you know, because it kind of saved my ass, you know. Yeah, that's one of the great things about this game is like you see people get really deep into things, and then it's like, okay, I'm I'm done. Like you just don't get any kind of return on investment. Like plays with magic. I do know, like if I ever sold out, like you know, my legacy deck, not everything's going to be in top condition, but like. I sell green white depths and blue and over all of a sudden I have 10k in my pocket yeah right okay. right god so I, I wanted to get into the new magic um op oh crap what is it uh, the organized play announcement because I, I I had Billy on last month and then I think a week or two later the organized play announcement happened and it, it's I'll be honest I you I used to play a lot of standard and modern were like my two formats that I played a lot. Um, legacy a little bit. I, I've done one IQ and a few, um, um, uh, the PPTQs of, of legacy. Um, and, but it was never my big thing. Cause there was never a huge scene down here with legacy. Um, but I mean, modern was my jam though. I freaking loved the hell out of modern and and seeing that organized play announcement has kind of got me excited a little bit. What are your thoughts on it so far, dude? I um I'm really excited. It's kind of scary because I don't know. Everybody like lost their mind about how great it was, and I, you know, I'm somebody who tends to believe in Watsy. Like I I don't get mad at most of the decisions they make. I'm kind of like okay, I'm sure they had a reason. Like let's like wait and see funny to me on this one though because i feel like other people are more excited than i am even though i'm also excited i'm just like i'm like cautiously (laughs) yeah yeah i do think it'll be good but it's hard to know for certain until we actually see it but like at the end of the day it has to be better than what we had right like the system we had was garbage and for sure anybody would disagree with that like even the people who were like benefiting from the system thought it was garbage so like if you're paying people like they they were paying the MPL like a good living wage and they still thought it sucked (laughs) oh dude don't even get me we could go a whole episode about that whole MPL nonsense where they were getting you're right they were getting paid a living wage and still didn't want to stream and all that stuff like come on that's your job anyways so um I think the thing that I love the most about the new announcement is how simple it is. It's like, cause I, I can't remember exactly how it used to be. Um, like if you wanted to get into like bronze, silver, gold pro tier, um, and all the other ways to try to qualify for pro tour and all that. But just looking at the announcement on my other screen right here, it's just a basic triangle, you know, 
go from local to regionals, then, you know, go to the, try to go to the pro tour. That's about it. Yeah. The, so I did actually like the old club system with bronze, silver, gold, platinum, but it was kind of convoluted. Like I thought it was a good system, but it's also very hard to explain to somebody who's new. Right. Yes. I mean, it's very easy to say like, okay, go do well at magic tournaments and good things will happen. But like, you know, at some point you need to know, like, so like the cutoff for silver was 22, I believe, which I should know because I was working my way there before they changed the system. But like, you know, somebody who's at like 20 points really, really, really needs to know, like, okay, how many more points do I need? I only need two points and like, they need to know how to get those points. And that's complicated and not something I think that was well explained to people yeah it wasn't very intuitive back then yeah it also like i felt like they kept changing when the cutoff dates for things was right oh yeah that's sometimes it was like your pro points would carry over for like the next four seasons and then it was like no it'll carry over for like i i don't know it's like from the start of the year to the end of the year like it was was so I, i do agree with you i like that this is very simple i do have some complaints like something the old uh system did that i don't think this one does as well is it really rewarded consistency i don't feel like the new one does but i think i'm getting a little bit ahead of myself well what do you what do you mean by that if you could elaborate so uh and i guess it's hard for this to be the same because we got rid of gps under the new system but like under the old system it was like i could go um and i could just like 12 3 every gp i went to and that's going to be you know for listeners who don't know that's going to be a good finish like a finish that most people are happy with but it's not going to be good enough to top eight it's not going to qualify you for the pro tour but if i went to like five gps at 12 3 all of them like okay now we're making progress i'm like i'm getting pro points for all of these finishes um can't remember how many pro points that was i think it was uh, I really don't remember. I'm not going to try to guess, but like, yeah. you know, if I accumulate enough of those finishes, it's going to qualify me for the pro tour without actually having earned that invite through like spiking a GP. Like, I don't necessarily need to top it. I just need to consistently show that like I'm close, you know. And I think that was good. It was aspirational. It really gave something for people to work towards because like, it's it sounds so small, but like saying hey you need to top eight a gp versus like hey you just need to do well at some events is actually a big difference and you know sometimes it's just like you get a little bit unlucky magic's a game of variance uh, it's part of what makes it great otherwise we would all just play chess right and that's not an insult chess, I should <laughs> but like one of the great things about magic is like on any given day anybody can win right like i could play against john finkel tomorrow and john finkel is definitely better than I could play against LSV, and LSV is definitely better than me. And I could just draw a little bit better than them, play well, and 2-0 both of them. Uh, but mm-hmm. when you get to, like, the later stages of the GP, like, you know, that variance could work in the other way. And it could be like, hey, I am definitely the better player at this table, but, like, I have Mulligan to 2, and now I've lost. And that could be, like, what doesn't get me into the top 8, and now all of a sudden I'm not queued. And that's really kind of crappy. So I like that um, they used to give that, like, hey, you know, you're consistently getting close. Like, we understand things. I can see that. Life, but, like, you think you deserve it. So then do you feel, at least with what we know now about the organized play, that it may be a little bit more closed off to just the best of the best instead of the ones who are consistent then? I, like, don't necessarily want to say that. Because I think I, either way you're getting the best players to qualify i think that's just yeah and is going to do that but i just think it feels more punishing this right like i think you're going to get slightly more heartbreak i think under the old system it was very easy to say like okay well like you just weren't doing it right like you just weren't making it you weren't consistent like you didn't deserve to be there but i can definitely see under the new system people are going to these tournaments and getting super close and then it's just like I couldn't quite pull it, and I think that I think that hurts. So I I think we should probably actually explain the way the system works. <laughs> um, 
I don't know if you want to do that, if you want me to do it. Yeah, I've got it on my on my other screen right now. So they're saying Wizards provided this list of qualification paths for the Pro Tour. Pro Tour being the what some consider to be I, I don't want to say the pinnacle because the World Championship is the pinnacle of Magic play, but let's be honest, it's like that that's like the very best of the best of the best Magic players get there. So it's extremely hard but at least pro tour never felt that far off for a lot of magic players that i've talked with like it, it that always felt that was doable at least in my experience with talking with a lot of competitive magic players um so with getting into the pro tour you have to be one of the top finishers at a previous regional championship with invites passing down as players earn multiple qualifications Finished with 10 or more wins at a previous Pro Tour, Magic Online Championship Showcases. Um, if you're in the Hall of Fame, you get invited to one. Players who finish with 39 or more adjusted match points from the previous three Pro Tours rolling. And then top four finisher, finishers from Magic World Championship receive invites to all three Pro Tours. So yeah, you, if you're not in at least one of the other ones that you basically have to be a top finisher at a regional championship to get invited then it sounds like or get really lucky on magic online yeah and well <laughs> queuing off of uh queuing off of a box showcase is going to be very challenging for everyone it, it, is it I've, n I've never played in one of those how how are, how hard are those um so they're very <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> um so the the box system is kind of convoluted too, right? When you play in leagues, uh, when you go like three turn a league, you earn what's called a qualifier point. Or if you play in the prelims, you earn them a little bit quicker. The prelims are like kind of more difficult leagues, like higher entries for like people who are really trying a little bit harder. And then once you get forty QPs, you can enter into the showcase challenges. What they have oh, Jesus. one for like each format a month. So those are usually like two to three hundred players per format. Um, and then the top eight of those gets invited to the sh the showcase. Jesus, okay. Um, and then you have to win the showcase qualifier to qualify for the box. Uh, so the showcase <laughs> qualifiers are pretty Damn. hard to qualify for. Um, I didn't realize it was that much grinding. Yeah. So like, I just played in my second one yesterday, and like the. The easier way to think about it is like it was a 28 person invite only event that happens like three times a year so like kind of exclusive and then you have to win that damn okay and then they have one for vintage legacy modern and pioneer <laughs> i think i can't actually remember what the fourth format they do Oh, that's damn! That's crazy. Holy shit! I didn't realize it was that tough. I thought it'd be something yeah. similar to like the arena opens they do. No. Yeah, uh, I mean they do have like PTQs on Moto sometimes, but even those are kind of tough, right? Like you have to win a three hundred person event, three hundred plus person event. Like and the average player in Magic Online is generally speaking better than the average player in Paper too. I can see that. I think a lot of times it's just you have to be more invested, right? Because I don't think it's like, I guess it's subjective, but it's not really that subjective to just say Paper Magic is a better game than Magic Online. I mean, I yeah. That somebody, yeah. <laughs> I see that as somebody <laughs> who plays a lot of Moto. And so, like, you really have to be invested to want to have a paper collection and an online collection, right? So, those are the people who are really focusing and you know, care maybe a little bit less about the social aspect and more about winning, so trying harder. Um, it, that's not to say that, like, you can't be great at Magic without ever touching Magic Online or Magic Arena, but just the average skill-to-skill the people playing online are better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's that. That's how I used to play a lot of um, Popper on there uh, years ago, and... Um, I just mainly play EDH on there every once in a while when I get the EDH bug and I don't feel like setting up spell table or something. 
because I get too lazy to set up my webcam. And I mean, it's it hits the niche, but it's also eh, not the greatest. It's better than Arena, at least. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I'm a pretty big Moto uh, defender. I'm I'm not a fan of Arena, but you know, Teach Throne. I'm just glad that there's ways to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hell, we could go to a whole interview about just arena itself like i had such high hopes for it in the beginning in the beginning of it and now it's just yeah i mean i'll, I'll play it I, I like playing draft on arena um whenever a new set drops because it's just quick and easy to get a game in and you know draft my deck and get off um but for magic online vintage cube oh all day every day i'm freaking all about that vintage cube yeah, I, I love all the cubes that they've been putting on Magic Online. It, I think uh, them doing the community spotlight cubes is also really cool. Yes. Like, I don't know if you got the chance to play Autumn Burchette's cube. No. Was that, but like, oh my god, they did a terrific job. That was so fun. Uh, I mean, granted, I'm biased because I like a lot of the archetypes that were viable. Like, there was a land strategy, and anyone who knows me knows I love having lands. <laughs> uh, there was like different like creature-based combos. Safi Eric Sauter Revel Art Loops. I was I was all about it. Oh nice. I yeah, I need to get more into cubing. It's I have a D cube that I've been slowly building. Um when the flood happened last year I had to suddenly stop getting all the cards for it. But um that 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 would be like a goal of mine as a content creator to get like one of my cubes spotlighted in Magic Online. That'd be freaking amazing. That's like yeah, I've that would be cool. Oh, what were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say like I, I thought about designing my own cube. I just I think it's so much work. I, uh, it can be. I, I've listened to like, uh, so I don't know if you follow Ryan Overture's content, but um, I've, he, I think I've seen some of his. Yeah. Okay, so he has a podcast, the Five Forty. Um, it's him and Ryan Sachs, and it's all about cubing and. They had an episode on what it takes to like make a cube and I, I did get interested and started working on it and then I got lazy <laughs> I really need to go back and actually create it because I do think it would be fun to make. like I've played a lot of cubes and you know you can tell when somebody's really put thought into it and you can, there's definitely a big difference yeah yeah there's um there's a lot of fun things uh, th that's what I love about cube because if I had to pick one format to play for the rest of my life it'd be limited because I love draft and sealed and cube is like perfect because it's the type of format where you know if I want to play it with friends we don't have to keep buying packs together you know in order to play and um, one of my favorite things about cube is when you first build it and you, you know, you have all the archetypes down and all that stuff, but you haven't completely balanced it yet because you don't really know. You try your best to balance the colors, right? But it, you won't really know until you start playtesting it. And that's my favorite part because you'll start seeing like, oh shit, I made green way too strong. Oh no, black is like the worst color out of them. Let's, what can we do to help boost it up? I don't know, that, that's, that's my favorite part about it. One of the issues I know I was going to run into was green was definitely going to be the best color of my cube, uh, but I wasn't actually planning to work around that. I was planning to just like tell everyone up front, like, hey, this is the best color. Just know that as you draft. Because um, I was working on like a lands-based cube. Yeah. Uh, so like every every color just had like a deep, like something they were doing involving lands and, you know, for better or worse, green is always going to be the strongest color in that, right? Like everything kind of works with green. Yeah, green's way too good. I mean, it can do literally everything. I mean, can't counter spells. It will. Does it have a counter? Doesn't green? Um, doesn't green have a counter or no? I don't think so. I mean, it's got stuff that makes it uncounterable. Yeah, yeah. There's that like, stuff. You can on. You can argue that, like, Veil of Summer or Autumn's Veil is a counterspell. In a sense, yeah. Yeah, because it's, um... Yeah, I think you're right. I can't think of anything. Because I know, like, Black has a counterspell. Um, 
red has a few counter spells like pyroblast tibalt's trickery hydroblast um hell even white has a few counter spells my problem with some of the cubes that i've made is i make white too powerful um and because (laughs) right right because i love um my my favorite thing to always draft in, in any kind of new format is you know the go wide strategies and sometimes i put too many you know that uh go wide like token enablers and aggro um if it's too easy to do in white and especially when you pair it with red too um but yeah i I usually have like blue and red are usually the ones i have the hardest with trying to balance because blue i try to make too controlly depending on the archetype and that can be too slow you know and red can just whiff if you can't if it's not aggro enough or and i depending on the archetype i want to do maybe the top end isn't good enough not enough bombs or something like that i don't know it's fun though um man so with have you ever since that announcement has uh happened have you noticed an increase in like magic play in your area have are you still going to fnms or anything like that or uh, so, <laughs> I have uh, not actually had much time to be out and about lately. I, um, I don't know, I've been very busy, um, like I said, dealing with the flooding in the basement. Um, I've actually been married for a couple of years, but I just went on my honeymoon. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Congrats. Um, so I just like, thank you. Uh, so I haven't been, I haven't been home much for various reasons. I mean, out much. Um, there was like magic online events that lined up at times that like my local store uh, would do things. So like I skipped FNM because I was playing in a PTQ online. Right? You know, like I skipped um, I skipped Modern the one week because I was playing in like a last chance qualifier. So I can't really judge what's been going on in the area, but I know everyone I've talked to has been really excited. Like it, and it's really nice. Then like I said, the system has to be better. Right? Like the old system was bad. So, from as far as I can tell, everyone seems excited, which is really cool. I don't know if you've seen the uptick in excitement. Um, I haven't gone to an LGS in probably like two years or so. Ever since that would really. Make it difficult. What? I said that would. Oh that would yeah. Certainly make it difficult. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's um, I'm actually planning on trying to go in an LGS this weekend to do the Streets of New Capenna pre-release. My first pre-release since... Fuck, when was the last time I went to a pre... I can't remember the last time I went to a pre-release. Um, damn, I... Wow, I, I'll have to think back on that. I do not remember the last time I went to a pre-release. Holy shit. I love a good pre-release. Love a good pre-release. Unfortunately, oh, I know. Or, unfortunately you can say... I have a wedding to go to this weekend, so not sure if I'll be able to to get any uh, pre-releasing in, but maybe Sunday after we get back. Oh, hopefully. Yeah, I, I do think people are excited. You can also just tell by the numbers online. Like, the Magic Online leagues have gone up. Oh, that's good. Yeah, there's been a huge return of play. I think some people are also just, like, sick of the economy on Arena, <laughs> so they're, like, migrating back. Um, but really, the thought is that you know the system is likely going to focus on modern and pioneer. So those leagues have been doing amazingly well in Moto lately. Uh, people are really excited. They want to be ready when the regional. Um, uh, God, I can't think of what they're called. The regionals, regional tour qualifiers come to their area. They want to be ready for them. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about that. I'm. I, I really wanted to try to go to DreamHack Dallas in June, but uh, probably wouldn't be a good idea. I mean, I'm traveling so much for work in the next few weeks, and I don't think my wife would be happy if I travel again for another weekend. Um, and since I won't be home for, like, the next couple weeks. Um, but I'm definitely going to try to at least make DreamHack Atlanta later this year. And I really hope they start announcing like command fest or something. Cause like I'm itching to go out and play some magic, not just at an LGS. Cause that's, you know, 
it, it, it it's okay. Like, but I want to like get out there with the crowd again. Like I miss going to GPs, Magic Fest, and all that, and just seeing people and playing so much draft and EDH, and that by the end of the weekend you're sick of the game and you come home and then load up Arena or Magic Online again and <laughs> keep playing. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything big events uh, make me want, it's to play more Magic. Um, I I'm super excited for Atlanta. Uh, when so when the announcement first happened. Um, you know, in a group chat with some of my friends, and I was just like, "Should I just book my ticket now?" And for anyone who knows me, I'm not really a big side event person, so I was just like, "Hey, I'm qualified for this thing. Like, I just buy my ticket now." And I think we already have a group of like four people who are just committed to going. Oh, nice! Exciting getting stuff out like this again. Yeah, I'll probably just drive up there because I don't. It's yeah. like a eight-hour drive for me it's uh i can't remember how long for us i think like 12 hours i really hate driving so i know billy was down to drive and i was like i am buying a flight <laughs> and yeah it, uh, yeah it, it, it also depends on gas prices at the time too like if gas prices are as crazy as they are right now it's probably cheaper to fly <laughs> to be honest But I'm really excited. You mentioned, uh, you know, missing GPs. Unfortunately, those did not come back with announcements. So. But they did mention Command Fest, though, on one of the weekly magics. Not not during the organized play stream, but they mentioned during one of the... They were talking about New Capenna or something. And But there hasn't been any more info since then. Okay, see, I did not catch that. But yeah, I, I miss GPs so much. Like those events were awesome, um, and I'm, I'm excited that DreamHack Atlanta might kind of have some of that feel to it. That nostalgia, it'll definitely rub the nostalgia. I'm like, I've been going to the SCG Con events, I've been having a delightful time with those. Oh, that's awesome. Very excited, but I'm, I'm also just excited for the regional tour qualifiers. Just like having events at an LGS that I feel like I care about again, you know? Like, don't get me wrong, I, I love Magic, so like I'm always gonna go to events. It doesn't, as long as there's something, but like, there's a big difference in feel playing for like, first place when it's like, you know, a couple hundred bucks versus playing for first place when it like, qualifies you to the next step. It's just, you know, I think people have this desire to advance. Right, like you hear about this with jobs a lot too. Like, one of the biggest things that people look for is the opportunity for career advancement. And like, you know, magic's not a, well, magic is a career for some people, uh, but for most people, it's not a career. But it's the same thing. You just like want to go to the next step. And you know, being able to go start out at like my local area and like hang out with friends, but like also have that qualify me for the main event in Atlanta feels really good. And like going to Atlanta and qualifying for wherever they put the Pro Tour is going to feel great too, you know? Yeah, no, no, I, I think you hit on something there because that's what attracted me to competitive magic at first where, you know, we're getting older here. I can't, I, I, I love playing video games, but I can't keep up with, you know, like I loved playing competitive video games back when I was younger, you know, Starcraft, Counter-Strike, um, you know, Call of Duty, stuff like that. But I can't keep up you know, with, you know, kids younger than me in those games, but magic and not just magic, but card games themselves feel more achievable for as we get older, right? Because we don't need, you know, those fast reflexes in order to win a game. Um, we just have to memorize like 5 million rules and, you know, whole bunch the meta and what to do with dirt during certain things. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but you know, that's like the basics of it. We don't have to, train our reflexes to you know get 500 APM in a match you know definitely definitely agree with that. <laughs> like, you know I used to play a lot of League of Legends and I was not great <laughs> and you know there was definitely a hard cap on how good I could ever be because my reflexes are only go so fast 
Oh, yeah, and they get slower as you age, too. And you, you may not realize it, but damn. I try playing Call of Duty nowadays, and it's like, fuck, I'm so bad compared to, you know, when I was, like, 16, 17, just kicking ass everywhere. Now it's like, fuck, I'm the old man trying to <laughs> yell at the little kids. Yeah, so as I get worse at that kind of stuff, I, you know, I think I'm getting better at magic, so... Yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely excited. Now, and, and it's really had me like curious to not go into competitive magic like I used to um because I used to do you know FNM every Friday and then do whatever PPTQs and IQs were around um at least once a month right um I couldn't go like every weekend or anything like that but it's kind of got me wanting to get into that um my, my, my buddy who's got a really big collection has so many modern decks so I could always borrow one of his because there's no way I'm going to buy into modern and legacy nowadays It's <laughs> I spent I spent a lot of money on my legacy elves deck about 5-6 years ago when Gaia's Cradles were 150 a pop now it's like I can't see myself getting into legacy at all without my wife killing me um, yeah so. they're um <laughs> It's it's very expensive to get into Legacy, and even though it's my favorite format, it, there's like it's hard to tell people to get into it, right? Like, especially now, you know, like it was hard getting it to back in my day. Well, I say back in my day, like five years ago, it was hard, but dude, it's like feels like it's ten times harder now. Yeah, and and like for the competitive events, like the regional tour qualifiers. Um, they can't even be legacy anyways like the story yeah choice of what format to run but it's standard modern pioneer um or sealed so like it's that makes sense yeah you know it's mainly going to be modern pioneer and sealed i don't think that many swords are going to run standard although you know time could prove me wrong uh what zero percent of stores are going to run legacy because it's not an option and yeah like, that makes sense though <laughs> yeah it, it does because there's such a very there's always going to be like legacy two Ks and stuff, but I don't know. It's so hard to tell somebody like, "Hey, drop four K on like buying blue red delvers." Like, just four K on the lands, not even any of the other game pieces. Oh, and the force of wills too. <laughs> I don't actually know how much the deck costs. It's probably closer to six. God, God, it's crazy. It's. I, I, I know I was going over this with Billy just talking about what I remember some of the staples were in modern and like how they don't even exist anymore like how snapcaster like bolt snap bolt he said is too slow now compared to some of the other stuff you can do um, and just looking at some of the deck prices j just if you go to MTG Goldfish and just look at some of the basic deck prices for modern legacy just oh my god at least um the Zendikar fetch lands are way cheaper now from what I saw late last time I looked. Oh yeah, it's, it's crazy to me how cheap they are. So, I mean, I don't really keep up with prices. Um, I'm just like not <laughs> interested. Either I need to own something or I don't. So like, yeah, yeah. It just is what it is. But I, um, you know, like I sold some uh, Verdant Catacombs because I wanted to get the old border ones. Uh, mm -hmm. I like... When the person at the store told me how much they were going to give me for my burns, I was like, that's it? <laughs> like, I know you're not ripping me off, but like... Damn. Uh, like, why is this so low? Oh, God. It, it's so weird, too. Like, I think I saw what Scalding Tarns for like 25 or 30 bucks or something like that. Like, they yes. weren't very expensive. Which, that's crazy. Those always used to be at least $100 cards. Um, I'm, I'm going on um, MTG Goldfish right now, just, just looking at Merktide Regent, just the list. They're saying one Scalding Tarn is $30. And yet, the Polluted Deltas are 50 bucks each. Which, that feels like the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, I, so I mean, the MH2 reprintings, I think, did a lot. Yeah, it did. Like, uh, those fetches have been kind of printed into the ground, which is good. Honestly, and good. Because, you know, you want people to be able to afford the game. 
Yeah, that, that's always been a uh, holy shit. Sorry, Jace the Mind Sculptor is only fifty bucks now. What? Oh my god, that used... is no longer better than all. Oh god, that's so sad. <laughs> oh man, I I I, I know. Oh god. <laughs> I remember when that was so, like so controversial when that got unbanned because everybody thought it was going to warp the format again. And I mean, blue-white control was a good thing for a while, but I, I guess it's not as good anymore. I had a lot of fun when they unbanned Jace. Um, so, you know, for people who don't know me, I play a lot of uh, Amulet Titan. Um, oh, nice. So I was playing Jace in there for a bit, which... It wasn't necessarily the best home for it, but playing Jason turn two was like pretty sweet. I thought Amulet type was more mono green. Is it sometimes Simic? Uh, so it's really like a green, green with like a pretty heavy blue splash, right? Because you have to play Tolaria West. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically you don't have to do anything, but uh, you want to play Tolaria West because it's land you can find off of your Titan that then lets you find Summer's back and lets you find a second titan oh i see always played a good, good bit of blue and like you now in your sideboard some people play spell pierce like uh, well spell pierce doesn't really see play anymore but at the time you know jesus on spell pierce or disdainful stroke or swan song uh, so you definitely have to adjust the mana base a little bit like i played botanical sanctum which i wouldn't have otherwise played but just being able to like go like Turn one, Sikura Tribe Scout, like, turn two, Amulet, like, Simicroft Chamber, Simicroft Chamber, Slam Jace, which is, like, this is so fun. Oh, God, that's gross. I love it, though. That sounds a lot of fun, though. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, getting the, getting a Jace down on turn two in your combo deck makes it really easy to have the right pieces. Oh, my God, I bet just brainstorm on turn two. Essentially, free brainstorm every turn. Oh man! Uh, see, th- this is making me this is making me miss competitive magic, man. Just uh, I I don't want to go deep into it like I was before, but damn, like my my decks were blue white control, um, Grixis Delver. This is all modern, and then I had mono red aggro. Oh, in in modern elves as well too. Those were my four decks. My blue white control was my best one at the time, but um, God, that deck was such a fucking slog though. Holy crap! It's I've won once with that deck by getting to ult Jace one time, and that was like the pinnacle achievement I've ever had in modern was getting to ult Jace on someone. That was great. That deck, deck is still good and still slow. When you watch people ultimate uh, five mana to fairy, it's just like, what is happening? <laughs> oh man, I I love I love five mana to fairy, five mana to fairy, three mana to fairy, and Jace the Mind Sculptor, three best planeswalkers ever. Probably the most. I mean, that's not true, but <laughs> we can pretend. <laughs> oh, maybe the most miserable planeswalkers, but it's neither I don't even here. Know if that's true, I don't think Jason makes that list. What what would be considered the most miserable now? I mean, shit. Oko. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about him. Um, yeah, I think the two Teferis still. Pro- I think it's probably those two Teferis and Oko would round out the most miserable. Is is he still a thing in modern? Like, is he still played a lot? Oh, no, he's banned. <laughs> oh, that's he. He's banned in Pioneer and Modern, right? And Legacy. And Legacy. Oh shit. Okay. See, this is how much I pay attention. Damn, I completely forgot about that. Oh, yeah, didn't they ban um, fuck that the Titan that came out of Theros um, Uro Uro didn't they, didn't he get banned too? Yeah, <laughs> he's well in modern and pioneer, illegal in legacy. Is he even any good in legacy? Oh yeah, he's he's good. I mean, I think those decks are often misbuilt. Um, a lot of times that's like the primary win condition because I mean that card's just super strong. The issue is, you know, it has to go to your yard so then you make surgical good against you and then it's like, a mm. lot of times you surgical their arrow and then it's like, oh, your only threats left in your deck are like two ice wing qualms. But you're never winning this game. 
<laughs> oh, okay. So, the card is good, but it's just awkward because post board you have to like jump through hoops and all that to get surgical. But like, draw a card is uh, like repeatable draw a card is very good, and having a mana advantage is good in every format, and that's what Arrow provides. Um, you know, and three life, like, well, you would never play like just a card that said gain three life, like when it's just kind of tacked on incidentally, like that's pretty good. Right, like if you think about the fact that the premier creature uh, or the premier deck in Legacy is Delver, right? Delver hits for chunks of three, or <laughs> gains you three. That's like a whole turn. I I love that in Legacy, Delver is still a monster in that format, and he's been a monster for how long now? Since he came out in Innistrad. Yeah. Some some form of Delver has basically been one of the top decks at every point since it's come out. Like, I don't. I love that. It's been the top top deck, but, but it, it's been in like the top ten, right? Or top five? Um, it's been easily top five, probably top three at every point. God, because I remember, um, I just looking on MTG Goldfish, it's showing is it Delver as the number one, um, but I remember when I played. Legacy was like Sultai or um, um, Teamer Delver or Rug or Bug, whatever they called it back then. Delver were some of the top ones. And um, I don't remember what the deck list were or anything like that. But God, it's always been that that boy Delver Secrets. It's freaking, he's too good. I think Rug Delver is one of the most miserable decks that's ever existed, but. Which one? Red Red Delver? Rug. Oh, oh, Rug Delver. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back when they were on, like, Stifle and Nimble Mongoose. Oh, God, what was the one, um... I can't remember if it was a Delver deck, but I think one of the cards got banned. It was the... You'd play Sensei's top, and then there'd be an enchantment where you reveal the card... Counterbalance. Yeah, didn't that get banned in Legacy? Uh, top got banned. Oh, top got banned. Okay, okay, dude. I remember watching that on um SCG events or chant. I I think more SCG events, dude. Talk about the most boring deck to watch. Oh my gosh, it was so boring. <laughs> People always say that, but I thought that deck was great. I mean, like, and I, I didn't really play it, um, but playing against it, I thought it was like really interesting. Yeah, playing playing against it was fun. Because you have to, like, try to beat them at their own game, right? But I, I think a lot of people didn't know how to do that. And, like, one of the big issues was, like, the deck was really good, so people picked it up. But then pe- the deck has a lot of decisions, so people were really slow. Um, and it was just, like, it sucked because, like, I, I really think, um, you know, the deck kind of died all, just as much because of the bad players as because of the good like in the hands yeah. of the bad player, just so slow because people would be like, in a turn, spin top, and they'd be like, upkeep, spin top. And it's like, nothing has changed. That's right. Oh, man. Or like they'd spin top on their turn, right? And you, you would like untap, play a spell, and they'd be like, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what's on top for my counter. It's like, my God, come on. It's like, you know you can write it down, right? <laughs> if you wanted to. Oh, man. I forgot all about that. Holy shit. God, because that... Yeah, I, I missed off. Because, like, I played, um, I played Painter. And that was a sense of... It wasn't slow, right? It, it wasn't overpowered, like... My win rate with the deck was very good, but it wasn't, like... The deck wasn't, like, crushing everything or anything, right? It was just, like, a good, fun deck. And, like, Nick Fit used to play top and like nobody has ever accused Nick Fit of being too good um, or at least nobody should have ever yeah and it just like I don't know I thought it sucked seeing top go just because like it, it hit so many decks other than other than just miracles and like counterbalance actually is a miserable card like sometimes people still play it and like I don't know personally if people counter if they get a blind flip work with counterbalance like to me that's so much more frustrating than like okay i let them assemble their two cards 
to know it and like doubt because I screwed up. Like them just going, Oh, I'm counterbalance. Oh, I flip brainstorm, counter your ponder, like ugh. I, I, I used to play it in my Grand Arbiter EDH deck. Um but I but I but I purposely didn't put Sensei's Divining Top because I didn't want that really boring gameplay loot, but um, I eventually took it out, but it's just like you said, I, I loved getting the blind counter off of the off of the cards, off people. Okay, dang, counterbalance is still it's not an expensive card. It's 18 bucks, but damn, I thought it would have gone down in price. I mean it's still good. Yeah. Um and like people are playing it in Delver sideboards right now because it's like kind of messed Ooh. up in the mirror. So your deck is almost entirely one drops. <laughs> uh, it's like one drops expressive iteration and Merktide. Interesting. Okay. Oh yeah, Merktide Regents that new um from Modern Horizons too, dude. It's crazy. Modern Horizons two feels like dude, j just the way they release all these sets is just like Modern Horizons two's one year anniversary is what next month or in june or something like that and yet it feels like it i i, I don't know it feels like it's been forever ago already yeah they come out with uh, a lot of sets now yeah yeah i mean i'm super excited about the D, D set i i loved the first commander legends like that was so much fun to draft and i um, can't wait to draft this one um do you play commander at all um, I have one one deck. Uh, I used to play a ton. It actually used to be my favorite form. Over time, I got like kind of bored of it. I sold off most of my decks to like really get into having a bigger collection. Well, slightly to have a larger collection, slightly to pay rent. You know. Oh yeah. Broke college student things. Uh, but I, I have um, a Dryad Ballard uh, Task Page deck. It's not okay. particularly good. But, I don't know, she was one of the generals I used to have in the deck is, it's fun for me. I think um, it's interactive enough, like I play like Pyroblast and stuff, and like, you know, you can just destroy blue things. So like, it's interesting because sometimes I sit down and like, I look around the table and nobody's on blue and I'm just like, oh no, my deck is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like all these hate cards and they just don't matter, but then, I don't know. Like, when it gets to actually be interactive, it's super fun. I'm, like, really mad because I play a lot of Phoenixes in the deck, and they just, like, oil, like, the red-black legendary, like, Oh, creature. yeah, I saw that. And I'm just, like, so mad that card's not mono-red because it's, like, perfect for my deck. I just can't play it. And what does that one even do? Like, I, I saw it, but I didn't even read what it does, though. I don't actually remember what it does. It's, like, something about, like, if a creature enters from your Field, or I mean, enters the battlefield from your graveyard. I think you get to do something. Oh, here we go. Um, it's two black and a red, a phoenix creature. At the beginning of each end step, if a creature card left your graveyard this turn, target phoenix you control deals damage equal to its power to any target. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, damn, that's good. Um, whenever another phoenix you control dies, you may cast Cyrix or Cyrix from your graveyard that's yeah, pretty so cool like, i play with a bunch of phoenixes just because you can pick them back up like you can pitch them to jaya you blow something up pick it back up so it's like okay free value like extra squeeze or whatever uh, but like i just want to have like that creature in play and like a goblin while they're going and just like mm -hmm. a bunch of damage yeah maybe it's time to make a rakdos deck then no i i refuse to leave jaya behind you're not leaving her behind. Just build another one. <laughs> I barely play the one deck I have. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's I, I I mainly play. Shit, I barely play my paper decks as it is right now for EDH, and I I just mainly play over spell table nowadays. I don't go to an LGS or anything, and but hopefully soon. Hopefully soon, like, I'm, I'm itching to get back into it. Um, yeah, man, so, so one thing I wanted to bring you on and talk to you about um, in terms of competitive magic, since you and Billy are pretty... Um, 
I, I don't I don't know. Do would you would you consider you guys pretty deep into competitive magic? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um one question I had for you all. So for just use me as an example, for someone who wants to get back into competitive magic, um, whether that's you know, playing standard, modern, pioneer, not legacy, unfortunately, as much as I'd love to. Like, what would you recommend for someone who's, you know, basically doesn't have a collection anymore? Uh, so the first thing I recommend is downloading Magic Online. Uh, Done. Well, so I guess <laughs> first I should, uh, I, I guess I would ask, like, hey, like, do you have, like, friends in the area? Because the easiest um, but assuming they don't have many friends in the area or like friends don't have large collections, download Magic Online, uh, get Card Hoarder or Mana Traders. Personally, yes. I have Mana Traders, but like I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other. I think each are better for different lifestyles. Right? Like, because uh, Card Hoarder kind of charges you, this is like not quite by the minute, but like they kind of charge you like by the minute, whereas Mana Traders is kind of like, here, you're gonna pay this much. Do your thing. So, like, if you're not playing, gonna play a ton. I think card order is better. But like, if you're gonna play a lot, the mana traders is better. But like, mana traders has different tiers for how much you can rent. Um, yeah. So this is for so renting like, cards, right? Yeah. Okay. So you don't have to actually purchase the cards. You just borrow them in a sense. Yeah. So I, I would definitely sign up for one of those mana traders, like thirty-five dollars a month for a reasonable amount. I would start with Pioneer. Um, and Pioneer's not even my favorite format, but I do think a lot of the, I do think a lot of the, you know, RPTQs are gonna be, I guess that's what they call No, R, RTQs. <laughs> uh, um, that sounds really bad. RTQ? Yeah, it sounds awkward. It does. Regional <laughs> tournament qualifiers or regional tour qualifiers? Yeah, that does or, sound. No, weird. it's RCQ. Oh, oh yeah, regional championship qualifiers. Okay. Uh, but I think a lot of the RCQs will be pioneer. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but the first regional championship is going to be pioneer. So I think a lot of stores will just kind of, you know, <laughs> pick the same format. Um, so I would like just start by exploring different decks. Like go to MTG Goldfish. Look at the top eight or so decks. And pick one that looks interesting to you, and just play a couple leagues with it. Um, and you don't have to love it, uh, but just kind of see what it's like. See if you like it. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Uh, and then if you like it, great. You can work towards building it in paper, right? Or you could be like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> you can move on, and thankfully you didn't just spend however many dollars on it. Yeah. I think well, looking at prices for Pioneer decks right now, I mean. Just to preface, it is a lot of money, right? Because they can go anywhere from one to five hundred dollars, depending on what you build. But, I'm, but I mean, comparatively, they are cheaper than modern or legacy. But Pioneer is also just the cheapest format to get into. Uh, the prices on standard are going to be cheaper, but with standard rotating, you're going to been more like you're gonna have to do less to keep up with that. Um, but I think you know Pioneer offers a lot of different decks that would appeal to different people. Like you have your Blue Red Phoenix if you really like cantripping and like that kind of sequencing is gonna feel rewarding to you. But then you can also do like the mid range thing if you want to play like the Niv to like deck, or you could play like the Lotus combo deck if you are into comboing. Um, the deck's wild. Um, like that deck just especially the sideboard from the deck like looking at that deck it just looks like somebody kind of reached into like their EDH deck building binder or like what random 15 cards do I want to play like, y'all serve a point and I think that's, that's awesome um, like or if you want a combo that might be slightly less brain melty you can play like Jeskai Ascendancy or like um, oh oh, they have Jeskai Ascendancy combo yeah, that deck's um, sick. Yeah. Uh, you get to go off with um, Sylvan Awakening, the three drop card that like turns oh, all your like, yeah. two creatures. So then you 
get to play like your ops and stuff, and you're generating a bunch of mana, and your lands are getting huge, and you kill them. Good, clean, fun. Um, or you might be like, oh, I like beating people down, and so you play Winota. But like, Pioneer is definitely not my favorite format, but it does have a variety of ways to play, and there's like a lot of decks that are good. Um, so I would start there, right? Like I would build okay. build that deck, um, and then start just going to events. Um, you know, it might be worth checking to make sure there's local stores around that run Pioneer before you start. With yeah. Because <laughs> you don't want to, like, build Pioneer and then you go to your LGS and they're like, we only play modern. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's a good entry point. And then, like, you know, once you like one deck, you might be like, oh, I love this format. You might build multiple decks. Uh, or the other thing you could do is you could purposely build something that like will kind of let you build towards modern too, right? Like if you build, uh, we'll stick with Phoenix. Um, you know, Phoenix is the best deck and Pioneer. So like if you build it, then uh, you have some overlap with modern, not a ton, but you know you have your spire buff canals, you have your steam vents. You have your ops and stuff, like, not that ops is expensive, but like, hey, you might have the start for like Blue Moon or Modern. Not that Blue Moon is a great deck, but something to get you started. You have like the land base for Storm, which again, I don't really recommend building Storm, um, but, but it's something. I actually don't even know what the best overlap would be. Probably Blue White Control, because that's kind of good in both. That has mm. a overlap, I think. Okay. Um, or if you build, like, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think because, like, a lot of modern right now is kind of dominated by modern horizons too. Yeah, that's kind of what that's kind of what killed modern for me originally was for the spark and modern horizons one really kind of killed modern for me because it felt like it was starting to turn into a rotating format at that point. Yeah, I can see that. I think there's a lot of good dynamic gameplay, though. So, like, even though it's definitely not the format it was two years ago, that doesn't bother me as long as it's a good format. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and something that's interesting is, like, Modern right now feels like Legacy did a couple years ago, <laughs> um, which is actually really cool. Like, I know a lot of people who have kind of fallen out of love with Legacy, who have been like, oh shit, Modern's the best. Uh, and so that's also really cool to see. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, unfortunately, I hate to do this, but we do have to cut it short here. Um, I do appreciate you coming on and talking a um, whole bunch of magic with me. Uh, wish we could have talked longer. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, give a shout out um, real quick to your podcast and whatever else you want to shout out. Yeah. So uh, first, I want to say thanks for having me on. Um, you know, followed the content for a while, so it's cool to be. Oh, thank you. Um, and then, yeah. Hopefully, if any listeners liked my voice or liked Billy's voice a couple <laughs> weeks ago, or you know, if you hated our voice but like torturing yourself, uh, you can check out the Dark Depths podcast. A lot about modern legacy um, and you know you're just supporting smaller content creators um yeah it's uh i don't know how much what else to really say about it i know that's good legacy um you can also like follow us on twitch and stuff although neither of us streams a lot although i've been like kind of missing streaming i might i don't know i might fire up the old stream no i know what you mean no, but uh, thank you so much for coming on. And um, yeah, it, it's, you know, I hope we run into each other. I'm hopefully DreamHack Atlanta at least. And uh, maybe get a few games of who knows what I'll be playing by. The, I mean, definitely EDH, but who knows? Maybe I'll have some modern decks by then or something. I don't know. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, uh, Mapson, for coming on. Have a good night.
Hey, thank you all for listening and watching. Um, you know, a little bit of a short episode. I had a little bit of a family emergency sort of thing happen, but it's all right. Um, would love to get Mapson on again to talk more. Um, may maybe a little bit later this year when the whole organized play gets more kicked off into the ground to see how it's going. Um, yeah, we never know. And heck, I might be playing. I really want to. I really want to play some modern again because holy crap. I kind of miss it, kind of miss it. I like EDH, love EDH, but man, that 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 60 card competitive magic itch, it's it's starting to come back a little bit. Um, anyway, so thank you all for listening and watching. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I hope you all have a great night.